Hello and welcome to the Permanent Good Podcast, a podcast that's part movie club, part improv comedy. My name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. I kind of forgot the intro there for a second. I uh, forgot that, you know, sometimes we forget that this is a comedy show at the end of the day. And we forgot as early as the intro this time around. Um, And quite frankly... I think that we've come to expect it. Listen, we've only done 126 episodes before this, so we're allowed to make some mistakes. Once we get to like Joe Rogan, where we're like, oh, we've only been doing this for 1,200 or 300 or however many, then we can be considered professionals. But like, this is the infancy, bro. We're playing the long game. Like, at what number do you really have to think like, how much of my life is just existing on a podcast? And, like, you really got to get that existential drift out there. Because, like, we do this as a hobby. This isn't, like, we're not, like, really breaking our backs over this or anything. And, like, 126, I still feel like this is this still just feels like a hobby. It hasn't taken over my life. I have to schedule things around this, but it's fine. If we hit 1,200, 1,300, guys... I'm going to pack it in real soon after that. <laughs> Once we hit 1,200, though, I'll tell you a couple things that have better have happened. We're going to be monetized. And if that doesn't happen, then, I mean, we'll probably still keep doing it because we have egos the size of a planet. But that's Dude, we might have some spinoff shows by then. We already have a spinoff show. We might have. <laughs> that's a very good point. <laughs> we might have spinoff shows that don't have us in it. That would be crazy. I mean... I'd probably still be editing it some way or another, but but be like, you know. welcome to the PG <laughs> network. Yeah, that's it. That's where we gotta like lay the claws is the network. I'm talking. We're talking podcasts. We're talking music. We're talking Food Network. Yeah, we're talking dude. BET. Somehow we have like award we'll shows, think, our own award shows. We'll, yeah, we have animation. That's it. That Dude. as soon as we get like a fan made animation, like I'm, I've peaked. That's the goal. We got content that, coming cares? out like Monday, Tuesday, like all through the week. Be like, tune in at eight o'clock on Tuesday. Be like, what? That'd be insane. Well, <laughs> you say that people are getting fed in March because we have our decades month. We have the U bonus episode, the Oscar bonus episode, <laughs> yeah. and the monthly small and tall. So there's three non-permanent good episodes that come out in March. So I mean, we're <laughs> buckle in, folks. Yeah, dude. Um, we're gonna be content. Giants. But that's the future. That's the future. Let's do now. Let's talk about a movie. What are we watching this week? We watched 2010's The A Team movie. And I say movies because obviously it's based on a TV show. Yes. Um, if we're we're going to be talking about this movie in depth because, guys, come on. Come on, guys. <laughs> no spoiler warning necessary. Just expect it. If you don't want to hear us talk about this movie and its spoilers, you can skip to this time code right here. Time code, 28 minutes, 15 seconds. Okay, so this movie concludes... My movies that made us for me. Yeah. And I've watched this movie so many times. I owned this movie. Um, and I based a lot of my personality off this movie as well. And more than one character. This movie is just like what I want out of an action movie. Yeah. And 
That surprises me after rewatching this movie. When was the last time you watched this movie? Probably. Has it been a minute? Uh, yeah, probably high school. Okay. 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 So watching this movie, I really, nothing stuck out as like, this is formative to Alex in general. I'm sure high school Alex, it would have been easier to pluck some of that stuff out. Like, um, the four of them just in general are very cool. The, the, the going off the books, off the records, this isn't official. Yeah. Like that's a very cool concept. And I wouldn't be surprised if this was the first movie that you watched where you saw that understood it and was on board with it. Mm-hmm. Um, Past that, like, I genuinely am at a loss at, like, what High School Alex pulled from this other than it's a cool group of guys doing things under the radar. Okay, so I started watching this in middle school, and then I watched this into high school. I spent a lot of time on this in middle school. Um, I wanted to be Face so bad, so bad. So Face is Bradley Cooper's character in this movie. Um, yeah, the personality. And it's... This guy is like the ladies man and also like second in command. Also, he's got a military background and it's insane who I want. It's like how badly I wanted to be him was it's overwhelming. And then I went back yeah. and watched this again. And I'm like, I get it, bro. This guy's got <laughs> charisma through the years. This guy invented Riz, bro. This is insane. <laughs> and then yeah. um, Hannibal, which is played by Liam Neeson, who's like the planner. That guy, I'm just like, I did. I wasn't interested in him. I was interested. I was interested in the fact that he could plan so detailed and so far ahead. Um, that was super impressive. And then Baracus, B.A. Baracus. Um, it's not that he was a great driver, although that like he's not like Fast and Furious level driving. He's a good driver, but I don't think they played into that as much as they should have. Um, no, I actually forgot that that was his thing. Yeah. Until you brought it up right now. It's just the fact that he's like scary. Yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> and um, obviously like the original a team is where Mr. T became really famous. Right. And, and so Baracus is, you know, is the Mr. T character. And so there's a, just a base level of cool that exists because it was a Mr. T character. Right. So I wanted to be face with like the planning of Hannibal and the like physical presence of BA. And then Murdoch was just hilarious. The entire movie, this guy, I'm like, this guy's hilarious. So yeah, I think I wanted to be face. And then on top of that, I wanted a group of guys and we all had our own roles. If that makes sense. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like just the having a team where we all do something different and we're also very, very good at it. I wanted that really badly. Is that why we got so passionate when we did the heists in GTA? Yes. Yeah. I was like, this is my job. <laughs> I do my job. I'm the best at this job. And it got really offensive to me when people were like, I'm a better driver than you. I'm like, you're not, though. You know? <laughs> you're not. We can drive right now. And I'm going to be better than you. So just stick to your freaking role, bro. I didn't have the respect that they had for Hannibal. For, uh, Hannibal. <laughs> I didn't have that. Nobody respected me. Um, But yeah, I just like how I loved that there was multiple plans. 
a lot of times with heist movies, you get one beginning. Heist. We've talked about this before. We had, you know, a little mini section for heist. You get one or two heists. This has quite a few and they're all freaking awesome. Um, yeah, it was like the whole movie. So that was sweet. Freaking Jessica Beals in this movie. And she did great. Um, dude, I could talk about this movie forever. What do, what do okay. you, your main things? So, um, I saw this movie in theaters, and I have not seen it since. Okay. So this movie came out in 2010, so I was 11 at the time. Um, and as a kid, I didn't get it. When I was 11, <laughs> this movie kind of went over my head. Be like, why this are they movie, in trouble? <laughs> this movie, I don't even, here's what I remember from seeing that movie 13 years ago. Just the fact that the third act happens on a cargo ship. That is, in fact, the only thing I remembered from going into this movie a second time. Nice. Um, I also remembered seeing the trailer a bunch when this movie was being marketed mm-hmm. because the clip of um the clip of charlotte copley going on that helicopter blade doing you spin me right oh, round yeah. baby that was very quotable for an 11 year old um so that that was the equivalent of the night of the night at the museum like firepower quote yeah they, they were on equal levels when that trailer came out uh i think now not being personally invested in it I did not think this movie held up. This movie is very generic and kind of rests on its A-team laurels way too intensely. Um, there's a lot about the characters. I feel like specifically Hannibal. Like, Hannibal kept saying, I love it when a plan comes together. He said it like 400 <laughs> times. It's annoying. And I get... And I get it. That was his catchphrase in the show. They had to say it, but th- too much. He did it too much. Dude, if you had a shot every time he smoked a cigar, you'd be blitzed by the end of the movie. Yeah. And the best way for me to describe why I didn't think this movie worked was it, Liam Neeson, specifically. Yep. He has just a lot of generic garbage on his IMDb page. You know, memory, blacklight, the ice road, the marksman, marksman. honest thief. Yep. All these movies came out in the last three years and they're identical. And I feel like this movie is similar to that sense. If this movie did not have the A team title on it, with a few exceptions, we would be able to lump this into the generic category pretty quick because the plot is not very interesting. Well, the I'm- main plot isn't very interesting because it's like somebody stole some plates for making money and now they have a printing press. We have to get the plates back. That is, that yeah, is I didn't care so, about that at all. That is so bored me to tears. And the other aspect... um. Because they try to recover the plates uh, off the books, and they fail, they get reprimanded, and they're all sent to jail. That happens in the first 40 minutes, and because that happened so quickly, the rest of the movie felt like it was just one long third act. Because when our main characters get in trouble, usually main characters don't get in trouble until the end of the second act, and the third act is their redemption. 
we kind of we skipped the second act of this movie. Yeah, the second act is them breaking out of prison, and then you have a like a, a short movie at the end of now that we've broken out of prison, we have to clear our names, and that and then we're going to resolve that, and that's all going to take place in the third act. So I just felt like we had a forty-minute first act. A 15-minute second act, and then an hour-long third act. Yep. So, I think so. it was just, it, it was, the the pacing was buck wild. There are some iconic moments from this movie that I think, if you remove it from the movie, are, are fun. I think when this movie just lets itself be fun is when it excels. Everything like, with Lynch, I thought was hilarious, bro. Sure, yeah. I, I'm thinking more like, the tank flying scene. That you was know, dope. That's, that, that scene is iconic. And like when they're doing the climax of the movie and Face is like swapping the cargo containers around. They're lighting the fires as a diversion. Like when all that stuff goes down, like that is the fun stuff. And that's where this movie is good. Anytime Jessica Biel was on screen for me, I stopped caring. She's just eye candy. Which and- I'm cool with, whatever. <laughs> totally cool with it. I'm like, I after this, I'm like, okay, this was 13 years ago, and I'm like, she's still married to Justin Timberlake. Yeah, I'm like, good for him, good for him, <laughs> dude. I get it. I just like because Jessica Biel's character represented the boring part of the movie. She was after the plates. She told them not to do the plates. She is in charge of recovering the plates. So anytime Jessica yeah. Biel was on screen, I'm like, okay, time to ca- now we got. Yeah, do it's like all right, the adults about. just came in. Yeah, to exactly. This movie to be a real movie again. So it's just like at the end of the day, I I also felt like this movie was just the writing wasn't super great. I didn't like a lot of the dialogue. Um, well, I love the dialogue. I I here's my thing. Anytime Liam Neeson was talking, I hated the dialogue. I thought sure. everyone else was awesome. So I like, anytime Murdoch talked and his jokes, they hit every single time for me. Every time, it, it was just funny. And then um, Face seducing and picking up people and talking every time he talked. I'm like, this is hilarious. BA, I think, is interchangeable. It could have been anybody. And then Lynch, bro, like the scene in the car. When he's like talking to him and he's like, do you, what are you doing right now? And he's like, the guy's trying to put on a silencer. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then he's like, wait, we really didn't think this through. You're going to shoot him right now in the car. And he goes, no, don't do that. And then, and then, um, Pike messes it up and he goes, you think that was cool? And he goes, yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. Like that whole scene was awesome. And then Lynch, mm-hmm. he has like a, there's just a scene where his secretary hands him the phone and then his assistant's like, why do we keep her? And he goes, I don't know. I just like looking at her. And then he's like, I want you to bug her. He goes, even though she's DOD. And he goes, I don't care if she's G-O-D. All of his lines were just awesome. Because he's just like not a real person. He had a big frat energy. Um, yeah. And he's like, I mean, we're CIA. We just got cooler rules. And I'm like, this guy's obviously not real. And I loved it. He has another. He has, I just wrote down like things from his dialogue. He's like, who came up with Broadsword? He goes, was that you? And he goes, yeah. He goes, that sounds really cool. And I'm like. Sure. Sweet. Um, this looks like Call I, of Duty. That line, that line sucked. I hated listening to that one. But I, I, I'll, I'll grant you everything up to that. Point. Yeah, I'm like this guy is just uh, like fun, and he's the bad guy. And I'm like, ah, I'm cool with it. Yeah, this movie 
hates the CIA. (laughs) And I don't know if, I don't know if that's like an A team trope that I don't know of, or if that's like a general stance that the American population has that I'm just not aware of. But like this movie digs on the CIA every chance it gets the opportunity to. And it's kind of like when we watched Robin Hood and like Robin Hood was like weirdly anti-tax. And I'm like, <laughs> like, why are these movies like, what is this weird stance that these movies are taking? Why, why is this the hill we're dying on? Yeah, dude, it was just, I was on board with all of it. I, was on board I will say, um, if you were to take Bradley Cooper and in like 2005 and say, Hey, you're going to be, the charismatic lead of the A-Team reboot, and you're also going to voice a talking raccoon that no one's heard of before, but the talking raccoon is what's going to make you a household name, he would probably die of a heart attack. Yeah, and be like, also, there's going to be this movie called The Hangover, and that's going to be on your biggest known for, and you're going to get so much money from just a show about being in Vegas. Yeah, (laughs) I just find that very funny. And then you're going to get nominated for two Oscars. And people are going to forget you were in them. And one of them's going to have Lady yeah. Gaga in it. But these <laughs> movies are going to be way bigger than that. Yeah. You know, A-Team, probably, you know, what you thought was going to be your career highlight while filming it, it's a footnote. Yeah. People forgot it happened. You're going to get signed on for a sequel? The sequel's going to get canceled. Yeah. It's going to um, be raccoon I- and drunk movies, my guy. <laughs> I also, every time I think about this movie... I keep thinking that Charlotte Copley is Will Forte for some reason. What? They have very sim- <laughs> they have very similar like looks and uh, comedic style. Like I feel like Will Forte could have done Murdoch. A lot of these characters are interchangeable. Like when they the first casting list had Mel Gibson and Hannibal, Christian Bale sure. as Face, um, Jim Carrey as Murdoch, and Dwayne oh, The Rock be- Johnson as. <laughs> Uh, B.A. What a freaking movie that would have been, dude. <laughs> That's awful. That's an awful. Oh, yikes. I'm like, um, I love Bradley Cooper's face. I think he did an amazing job and he has a great chemistry with Beale. I think Murdoch, I really like Charlotte Copley. He could have been swapped out, but I really liked him. Baracus could have been anybody. I think Grandpa yeah. did a good job, but it could have been a lot of people. And Hannibal was just like bad. old white dude. <laughs> I feel bad because Jackson's pretty much the only guy from this movie who didn't have his career boosted by this. And I feel bad about that. It's a it's kind of a bummer. Yeah, but this um, is just like another Liam Neeson movie, like you said. And yes. I kind of wish it would have been somebody else. Um, I do want to point out the John Hamm jump scare that happened yeah. at the end. Yep. If you, if you don't expect John Hamm at the end, it catches you. The fact that it's John Hamm like reduces the impact of what he says by a billion percent because the whole bit is like everybody that's in the CIA is named Lynch because they don't use their real names. And so when we finally catch our Lynch, the Lynch that we know as the bad guy, we get introduced to another character played by John Hamm. And they're like, what's your name? And he goes like side eye talking out of the side of his mouth. all all you know, cocky and whatnot. And he goes, agent Lynch. And I'm like, oh, shut up, John Hamm. Yeah. I know they were setting up for a sequel, but also it was distracting. It was so distracting. You're not paying attention to what he's saying. 
And you know, John Hamm wasn't that famous back then. So that's not their fault. But it's just wild coming back to it now. Yeah. I don't know if we talked about what this movie's about, but basically, if you don't know what the A-team is. I did. I talked about the plates. (laughs) Well, I mean, like, it's four guys who are all uh, former army rangers who go back and now they do clandestine missions. So like super secret, undercover, heist stuff um, that's not officially sanctioned by most of the government. And they're like super elite. So you have your pilot, your driver, your like con man, inside guy who can pretend to be anybody and seduces women. And then like the mastermind, the planner. And they commit a series of heists, break in and, you know, work for the government. And that's kind of the dynamic of the group. And then they get framed for stealing, printing like mint plates. And then they had to break out of prison. And then once they break out of prison, they have to clear their names, of course. I mean, that's the whole movie pretty much. Yeah, and the way they clear their names is by catching the guy that did it, blah, blah, blah. But what's yeah. wild is the movie ends and their names aren't cleared. I remember They're being still pissed in trouble. when that happened. Yeah. And so the movie ends with, you know, they get chased. They're essentially being chased by police, by military police as the movie ends. And then it does this outro narration where this guy with a weirdly synthesized voice was like, if you are in trouble and you need help from outside the law, you contact the A-team. And I'm like, I feel like I could not hire the A-team. I feel like if I, the kind of yeah. trouble that I get in, the A-team might be a bit of overkill for. I'm like, oh, you mean these guys who kill people? <laughs> you mean those guys? That's insane. Yeah. I remember oh, watching this being like, oh, you just made it cheesy. You just made it super cheesy, and I didn't want that. Let's talk about, I'm going to say, the most wild part of the movie is that um, Baraskas, (laughs) B.A.'s character arc, is to convince him that he's allowed to take another human life. when that happened, he's quoting Gandhi, like, "I, I can't do this. And I'm like, okay, so this is just like... Batman. This is all those superheroes. Like I don't kill people, and then there his leader, Hannibal, the mastermind planner, convinces him to start killing again. And then when yeah. he kills the bad guy, he suplexes him and breaks his neck on a shipping container. You're supposed to go, yeah, he's killing again, because <laughs> he gets out of prison and he's like, guys, I just like I I'm took not a comfortable vow with killing. Yeah, I'm not comfortable with killing people anymore. Vi- like, I'll still help you guys out, but I don't want to take anyone's life. And when he said that, I knew from the moment he said that, I'm like, oh, he's going to kill someone and it's going to be a major character moment for him. Yeah, and we're going to feel good for For him. the positive. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so wild. Because, <laughs> like, I get it. They're a military group. You know, someone's. It, sometimes it's got to come down to brass tacks like that. But <laughs> the fact that the movie, that the movie, movie felt like it had to be like hey we are gonna convert a man and have him break his vow so he can take a human life it's not like ba went vegan or something he's like hey i just don't want to kill people anymore and the movie was like no kill we're gonna get you to kill again when that happened i'm like well this kind of makes me uncomfortable i don't know if i like this yeah oh man and it was yeah (laughs) <laughs> then there's just a close-up on the guy you just killed with a broken neck and i'm like okay i feel a little weird that this just happened i know he was about to kill your friend but this seems a little unnecessary and this movie uh exists from you know 
2010 to like 2014 was an interesting era of any movie that had to handle like military stuff because they approach it from a much more like kind of intimate level in a, in the way that like they make sure that we know they're breaking rules, but they're going to make it seem cool. Like, like it almost feels like propaganda in a way um, where yeah, this is very like, pro American military. Yeah. Where it's like the military doesn't let us do what we need to do. So we're going to ignore those pesky little rules. It's, it's, you know, it's from a very like, you know, end of Bush era military ideology. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. It's a guy's movie, though. It is it straight is. up a guy's movie. The only female who's in this movie, well, I mean, there's two of them, and they all sleep with face. All of them. That's not true. There was an old German woman who was nagging at her husband for yes. fishing with dynamite. But there's the one he <laughs> sleeps with in prison. There's the one he sleeps yeah. with in the beginning of the movie and that the Mexican cartel guy lights him up for. There's Jessica Beale's character, who it's alluded to that they have a previous relationship, and of course they rekindle that towards the end. Um, there's the French reporter who he seduces. I'm like, oh, this is not a good look for this <laughs> man. Um, that being said, I wanted to be him, so that sure. should tell you everything you needed to know. Um, yeah, dude, I think. Bradley Cooper did an amazing job in this movie. I think Beale did the best she could with her role. There's a lot of this other stuff that I'm like, eh, it's of the time. It's whatever. Yeah, I, I'm not a big Beale head. I, uh, you know, not she's not in much that I care about. Yeah. So you're not a huge fan of Seventh Heaven. <laughs> Believe it or not, not really. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm gonna decimate this movie with my score, so That's I'm okay. gonna go first. I'm giving it a five and a quarter. You know, that's okay. That being said, <laughs> I'm going to give this movie an eight. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> this movie an eight. In my because head, I'm like seven, seven and a quarter. <laughs> this movie just scratched an itch for me. Sure. Yeah. And, and I a, respect that. And there's a lot that I didn't like about this movie, but those sections didn't stick around for very long and I liked most of it. So I was leaning about giving it like a high seven. I'm like, no, because I would watch this movie again. And I would tell other people to watch it. And I was bummed that Macy couldn't watch it with me. And I'm like, if I'm if it's checking all those boxes, that means it's got to be an eight. So this is like the most subjective score I've ever had. Or like sure. up there. Um, but yeah, it is what it is, man. Um, yeah, listen. So I'm glad that not all of your movies... I think we both kind of had like a 50-50 rate of movies that held up versus movies that didn't. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad because that meant that we we both got some introspection where we could look back and be like, wow, I used to have a really bad taste in movies. Yeah, it sucks because I think now we've been exposed. to We have great taste now, I think. Different taste, okay. but straight up objectively we know more about movies. We like better stuff. Um, when you watch like only 15 movies a year, your favorite movie could be a bad movie. And I think that's most people in elementary school, middle school, and beginning of high school. Like your favorite movies, there's a pretty good chance it's not very good. So now that like we're like getting like 100 movies in a year, 100, 200 movies, oh, like one to 150, I think our taste is refining. And at least we can be objective 
about like, I like this movie, but it's not that very good of a movie. Yes. And and when you're younger, a good movie, if it's good to you, it's a good movie. And that's just not the case. I'll cut us back in here. Um, we can welcome back the non-movie listeners just because I think this is... Do you remember the first movie that kind of like... I think everybody has this experience of like, when you're a kid... You love every movie that you see in theaters because you're going to the movie theaters and like that's a magical experience and you walk away like it doesn't matter what the movie is. You love it. Do you remember what movie kind of like you made you stop feeling that way? Um, The fifth Harry Potter. Oh, OK. I saw it in movies in the movie theater. I'm like, I don't even know what's going on. I'm like, I had read the book. and I'm like, I don't know what's going on. And I remember walking out of the movie theater being like. I couldn't tell you what that movie is about. And I'm like, did I just waste money on a movie? Like that felt weird. Um, um, cause I had watched bad mom, movies in theaters and just walked away being like, Oh, that was pretty good. Yeah, for sure. But something about like the fifth Harry Potter and the part one of deathly hollows, both of those oh, movies. Interesting. I had expected a lot more because I loved one through four. I loved goblet of fire, especially. And I loved prisoner of Azkaban. So I had high hopes and then fifth hit and I'm like, well, this is what I wanted. And then six was pretty good. And then they broke Deathly Hollows into two parts and I watched the first and I'm like, what's going on? So I would say those. Yeah, it's the same reason why Breaking Dawn part one sucks. Yeah. So like, oh, this is just all set up. Also so, the same reason why Dune part one sucks. Yeah, but so Dune I said part it. one is pretty to look at. So you can get distracted by this, by the lack of anything, by how pretty they made it look. Yeah. Um, for me, it was Catching Fire, also a sequel. Because yeah. I just remember watching that movie. And again, I had read all three Hunger Games books before watching any of the movies, I think. And so I remember, you know, watching Catching Fire and just being like, we've done this before. This is just the first movie again. And so I didn't finish the series. I didn't watch either Mockingjay movies. Um, I find it very interesting that you and I both picked like movie like book movies. Cause I think that's how yeah. you get let down. It's like the first one was so good or the first couple will be this good. And then you watch it and you're like, Oh, this is nothing like what I thought it was going to be. The, I will say the first movie that I paid for, cause you know, you watch catching fire. I was 14 when that movie came out. So like, I'm mm-hmm. sure I went with friends and like, it was not a, it was not my financial risk, but the, mo- the first movie that I walked out of thinking that I wasted money watching was that Kate McKinnon, Mila Kunis movie, the spy who dumped me. I'm so glad I didn't pay for that. Holy smokes. <laughs> yeah. I-, I saw that in theaters, baby. Pew, pew, pew. What was your, have you ever seen, what was the, I wouldn't say, what was the first movie that you watched in theaters and said, this is so bad, it's good? Or this is so bad, I'm glad I got to see it so I can talk about how bad this movie is. Because for me, oh, that was fantastic. I think it's, <laughs> yep, same answer. Because when we same saw that, I'm like, answer. I feel bad that I convinced my friends to come see this with me. At the same time, I'm glad I'm not doing this by myself and now we can all talk about it. Because if I would have seen that by myself... I would have told you guys, don't go see it. It's not very good. And then I would have no one to talk to about it. I tell that story frequently where Fantastic Four was so bad. The guy that took me after the movie was over stood up and apologized. Because 
it was that and Tomorrowland was like the <laughs> one-two punch of you and me seeing movies together that just didn't pan out. I haven't watched either of those movies since. That might be a good thing to circle back to at some point. Oh. Movies that we've seen, <laughs> that just like movies that we've seen together that are bad. Um, do you want to do our improv now? Let's do our improv segment. Okay. <laughs> um, this week we are doing an oldie and a goodie. Sell me this pod. This is where Alex and I give each other topics and we have to sell it on an unconventional method. Uh, usually we give somebody a good thing that they have to make bad and a bad thing that they have to make good. Alex, do you want to pitch first or be pitched to? Um, I'll give you your subject and you can pitch me. Okay. We're going to start off with your good thing. They got to make bad. Okay. Um, what is the problem with deodorant. So here's the thing about deodorant is that you become reliant on it. So our body naturally makes mm, smells. And if we lean on artificial smells too intensely, then our bodies will stop making smells altogether. And then all of a sudden we must rely on the fragrant industry in order for us to have any sort of smell. And as we know, smells are a big part of a person's identity. So if you lose the smell, you lose the identity. And do you want your identity tied into a financial attachment that you must make? You know, you could be spending anywhere from... uh, Also, deodorant's expensive these days, guys. Like, a good deodorant is like minimum $6. I remember, I remember when deodorant used to be like... Two and a half dollars, and it was still half decent deodorant. Was I 14? Was my bar much lower? Maybe. But now, in order to impress, not even impress, satisfy, not anger the people around me, I must shell out now several dollars. So I think that we as a community need to circle back around. We need to find true frugalness in our society, and we must accept the fact that deodorant is a thing that we can go without. Wow, that's an interesting take. Um, I don't know if you sold me, um, but we'll see if I can do better. Do you got a good thing well, for me to make bad? sometimes when it comes to this segment, it's not about actively winning or losing the pitch. Sometimes it's about making sense. Yes. I've done more than one pitch where we both walk away and it's like, what did I just say? I don't know. <laughs> but those are the good so ones. The fact that, I like those. So the fact that this one was coherent, I will take a W in the column for that sure. and that alone. You got a good thing though? I want to spin it. Um. Yeah, Alex, what? I've been hearing lots of good things. Lots of, lots of good things about... um. You just got me on this like clean track. Um about recycling. Oh. What's what's bad about recycling? Bro, let me tell you about recycling. Here's the thing. Reduce, reuse, recycle. That's in the order you should be doing it. Reduce requires no extra energy. Um, because you just do less of it. There's less to recycle, there's less waste. Then you reuse because then there's only energy on your part. Recycling is when we have to involve the government and industries to get stuff back. Hey, I'm too lazy to reduce. I'm too lazy to reuse. I'm going to have a separate freaking trash can that I have to take out every Tuesday. And then it's going to get shipped away. And then we're going to send send it to my coal factory. 
and then it's going to get melted down and then they're going to sell it back to the companies at a reduced rate and then they're going to give it back to us. I don't know, but I'm sick and tired of the, why do we have to get people involved? We don't need more people involved. We don't need anything else. Okay. Trash is trash. 10 seconds. This is freaking wild. Reduce, reuse, then recycle. I don't need the government involved in everything. I don't need industries involved in everything. How about we just call it trash and then just leave it alone? Okay. So I think we kind of pivoted in the middle somewhere. It it went from don't recycle because it takes too much energy. And then by the end, we were at everything's trash. We shouldn't bother. Yeah. Well, I I did take a little bit of a libertarian's (laughs) lean to it towards the end. Where why are we getting the government involved? Um, But I think the initial sentiment is there are better options. Reduce, reuse, and then recycle. But if you can't, maybe it's just best not to recycle. I also think that in that phrase, the recycle part is redundant because reducing and reusing is just recycling. Yes. It's cutting out the middleman when you just do the recycling. So, but we're really overanalyzing this pitch. Um, I think we are. I think it kind of made sense. It made sense for sure. Then I'm not going to, I'm not going to count that as a, as a failure. So Craig, I'm going to give you a bad thing that you absolutely love. And it's all these train derailments and these pollutants getting into the environment. That's actually really beneficial. Okay, if you insist. (laughs) So, train derailments, bad. Okay. Pointing out the flaws in systems, (laughs) good. Interesting. So, here's what I'm going to say. I am pro-train. I wish trains were more prevalent in our transportation community. I wish it was easier for me to take a train back to Michigan so I could see my friends. I would go to Michigan frequently if I did that. But I understand that trains travel at such a velocity that the system has to be near perfect in order for things to go well, especially long distance. So if a few eggs have to be cracked in order for us to realize that maybe some train tracks need to be adjusted a little bit, then so be it. Will it hurt our environment in the long run? Absolutely. Are these chemicals incredibly dangerous and hurting people in the communities that they are affecting? 100%. So this is us we're going to look back at this and be like, wow, aren't we glad that we don't let that happen anymore? <laughs> so just remember that if you see a train and it's working, just remember what it took for us to get here. All right. So when you're on a train next, when you're watching a train movie, when you think about Thomas the Tank Engine, just remember that a train derailment is one malfunctioning track away. And it is up to us to raise the standards of what we need. See, I like your logic. It gets really problematic when you apply it to other things. The like, yeah, uh-huh. it, uh, when you apply it to like segregation, be like, listen, guys, <laughs> you like black people in your schools? Just know that we're a couple laws away from Jim Crow. So like, <laughs> appreciate where you're at. Or like, hey, you big fan of gay marriage? Just remember. It used to be pretty bad. It's pretty nice now, ain't it? I'm like, I'm glad we're playing it to what trains, but it really doesn't work anywhere else. Yeah, that's actually, trains is actually the only <laughs> thing the it applies only time to. It works, yeah. 
I know. Hey, remember child labor? Just know that uh, we're a couple missteps away from putting kids in meat factories again. <laughs> we're always closer than you might think. <laughs> yeah. All right, Greg, um, you got a bad thing for me? Dude, I got so many bad things. Um, oh, I got a big one for you to tackle. What about it. like authoritarian dictatorships? Oh, you mean the thing that's really not that bad? All right. Authoritarian dictatorships. <laughs> Here's the thing about those. They're only bad when the guy is bad. And I'm saying guy because it's always a dude. It's literally always a dude. And it's people say absolute power corrupts absolutely. That if you give anyone total power, they're going to be a bad guy. They haven't had me as president yet. Okay. And there's a couple guys that I'm pretty sure I could vouch for. Keanu Reeves, one of them. Um, I bet you if you just put him in charge of everything, it wouldn't be that bad. Okay. There's a couple other people I would trust. They seem just like good guys. Denzel Washington up there seems like a pretty nice guy. I would trust him. So I think it's not that it's a bad thing. I think it's the people that want to become, you know, dictators and authoritarian governments. They want to be in charge of everything. Those are the people you don't want to do that. But if we just like elected a guy and said, oh, you're going to do this until you die. And then we got to pick them. They didn't. So like anyone who got, who wanted to do it, not eligible. We have to pick somebody who doesn't want to do it. And then that person is it for life. Yeah. And then we do it again in like 50 years when they die. I think that's the route you got to go. Because if we just force Denzel to be in charge, I think it'd be great. I think it'd be great. Yeah. I think we'd be, because he'd figure it out, obviously. And I think I can just trust him, you know? And then we can force diversity. Be like, hey, we haven't had a woman in a while. Let's just force a woman to be in charge for a couple of years. And by a couple, I mean like 30. I think, I mean, what's, I think they would be fine. I think we're a pretty good judge of character. I think I need to cut you off. You, you're, yeah, okay. Good. So the reason I didn't cut you off sooner was because I was just looking stuff up. Um, you know, after the whole 2016 presidency, people were like, we need to stop letting celebrities be president just because, you know, they're celebrities. And I remember the one that people really talked about was like, people wanted The Rock to be president. And they're like, no, yeah, no celebrities good. is president. And no. I'm like, and listen, of the celebrities to choose, I know you got beef with The Rock. Yeah. But like, in general, there are worse celebrities you could have chosen. Like, Arnold Schwarzenegger had a half decent approval yeah. rating. Until the end, from what I understand. Yeah. But like... I think you got to be careful because there's some sleepers. I think people are like, oh, I like Chris Pratt. And I'm like, mm, maybe we shouldn't be in charge. Okay. Yeah, maybe I not. Think, I think there's a couple of people who get sneaky. And then you're like, you're like, oh, I'm just now finding out that maybe this guy wouldn't be great if he was in charge for 40 years. Like recently, DiCaprio has been in, you know, under fire for some relationship choices. And we probably would have put him in a couple of years ago. And he'd yeah. still be in charge. And I'm like, ooh, don't know <laughs> if a guy who dates people that much younger would be a good decision. And you got some real sleepers. Like, DiCaprio is a great example of that because he's like a champion for Environmental uh, climate change. Thing? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, he speaks at the UN frequently. And they we're like, yeah, DiCaprio, good guy. Like, like, funds and produces, like, documentaries about, like, how we harm the environment. And then he's like, gotcha sleeps with 25 year olds. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Right. Leo. <laughs> and then you want to pick somebody who's like, I don't know, revolutionary, right? You're like, I want a guy who's just like a genius. Well, God forbid we pick someone like Kanye <laughs> God, like yeah. 10 years ago. Like 
went like right before the whole like Taylor Swift Beyonce thing. If we would have caught him like right in the beginning, like oh we want to get him for a, a good long part of his life. Twenty years in, he's a Nazi, bro. So we got to be careful. <laughs> I think you really have to vet someone. I think because they'd be doing it for life, we should pick somebody like in their fifties and sixties. So be like, just in case this doesn't pan out, we only got twenty years. You know? Yeah. I think Brian Cranston, great option. Great option. Uh, I think like, yeah. oh, you know, he's a little older, but we've seen his career and he seems like a good guy. So I, I think that I think that'd be the route we take it. <sighs> All right, Alex, are you ready for our middle segment? Let's do a middle segment, bro. Okay. Um, this is concerns. Conundrums is, from our uh, crucial conundrums from our conundrums concerned, from congregation. Our concerned congregation. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I hopped on. I did maybe the worst method ever to find questions. Uh, so much so that I really only pulled like two, but I wanted to bring up that the two methods that I went about doing this is I went on to r slash advice on Reddit and then I sorted by controversial just to kind of see what would happen. That was the wrong choice. Oh boy. Cause all of it's like, like I'm 14 and I just lied to my dad. What do I do about it? Or I'm 13 and I want to have a baby with my boyfriend. Like, guys, you are children. Stop it. This is what happens when you have unmitigated internet access. Um, And the other thing I did was I uh, went to Quora. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but at least on the mobile version, Quora does not let you browse without an account. So, hey, guess what? The permanent good email does now have a Quora account. (laughs) Oh, jeez. Um. And so, and a lot of that is just, it's rough, guys. Hey, if you want to, like, ruin your day, just browse Quora. It's the worst thing on the planet. I wanted to um, point out some bad stuff, uh, some annoying stuff more than anything. There's a question that's like, can a 13-year-old have a boyfriend? Like, I don't know. You're kind of, like, don't stop caring so much. Yeah, it might not Um, count, but sure. Yeah. The one that I flagged that I really wanted to talk about is uh, this isn't even like one that we need to dive into, but I caught my 13 year old son playing a farm simulator. I sent him to a boarding school and revoked his bed privileges. My family calls me insane. Am I a bad parent? Now, is this (laughs) probably a troll? Is Quora maybe littered with people who aren't actually asking for advice, but in fact are helping create the most toxic wasteland on the internet? Potentially. However, it's funnier to take it at face value. Um, okay. Okay, but if we wanted to do the actual segment where we, uh, I'm gonna, we're going to take two questions. We're going to give some genuine, not genuine, in fact, very much not genuine advice. Um, here's what I have, all right? The first one. Uh, the kids that I babysit think it's hilarious to bite and hit me. How do I make them stop? Now, the obvious answer. We're going to ignore it, obviously, because if you're like, hit them back, teach them a lesson. No, you're you're creating a cycle. All right. Also, if you you bite children, you're a psycho. Here's what you got to do. You got to inflict some real psychological damage. I think one time they hit you, you let them believe they hit you a little too hard that one time. You go you go limp for a few minutes. (laughs) See how that see how that fares. You know, just like double over in pain, ask them to call 911, have the ambulance show up, have them ride in the back of the ambulance on the way to the hospital. 
and then just let them know that they can't go to college because you have medical bills now? Yeah. Because, you know, you're a babysitter. You don't have health insurance. <sighs> well, I got another thing we could do. Yeah. Um, The next time they bite you, make sure that you're covered. Do you know those... um? things that was super popular on tiktok that there was a bittering agent on the nintendo switch oh yes things so people would like taste this the switch cartridge and it'd be super bitter get that stuff and bathe in it because <laughs> you'll smell be- the same you'll still be clean but the next time anybody licks you bites you it's gonna feel like poison <laughs> I also think, you know, maybe like it, this one would be, you know, have a stronger scent to it. But like if you were to douse yourself, if you were to like put on a layer of vinegar, I feel like that would also have like a similar effect. Yeah, but I think you can smell vinegar. So they might just think you sure. smell bad. But do kids know what vinegar smell like? It smells like bad, you know? Yeah. Like uh, salt and vinegar chips. It's just like, oh, this oh. smells potent. Actually, I think vinegar is the best option because for, they're not going to want to bite you if you smell bad. But the problem if, is then you, you sm- always have to smell bad. They'll be like, oh, they smell bad. I can't bite them this time. And then when you stop doing it, they're like, oh, they're clean again. Now it's time to get a piece. <laughs> but if these are very stubborn kids and they persevere through the smell and bite you anyway, then it's game over. Then you've won. Then that then that is, that is a non-starter anymore. Yeah, you we, are good. I don't now, want this to be like the bacteria t- that evolves and gets stronger. <laughs> yes, yeah. So I think now, we need to like. If they know. do, if you do manage to overcome the biting problem, they might double down on the hitting. So maybe just like catcher's gear might be helpful. Um, do you have like SWAT equipment that you have easy access to? It's super hard to do this because you don't want to do like traumatize them for life. But at the same time, like they need something big. So I'm big on like when they hit you, be like, okay. And then the middle of the night, (laughs) just wear all black and a mask. Yeah. And just be like, break in. You ever hit me again, I will kill you. Now, you really got to coordinate this with the parents. Right. Because and then, if by the you way, do not. When they see you again, gaslight them. Be like, that never happened. <laughs> <laughs> I never did that. What you saw in your at night was a demon. <laughs> but it sounds like if you don't know what that person is capable of doing. So I don't, I don't you just want fear. <laughs> um, I think we solved that problem pretty easily. Yeah, that's, that's other, your vision to be taken care of. Yeah. The other question that I have is, uh, how should I go about ghosting a friend? Now, here's the details. Here's the kicker. I want to ghost my friend. She hasn't done anything wrong to me, but maintaining relationships is just too much effort and not worth it for me. She asked to hang out with me over text, and I haven't responded in three months. Though I want to stop our friendship, I do feel bad about disappearing out of nowhere. How do I go about this? If you haven't responded in three months, they got the message. Yeah. But <laughs> I think if you live in the same city and this person keeps hitting you up and you don't respond, the work is done. Okay. But if you wanted to take some active effort into ghosting a friend, I mean, I guess doing active effort is kind of the the 
defeats the whole purpose of ghosting. Ghosting is pretty <laughs> passive. Hey, you don't double back and just be like, hey, just so you know, <laughs> the last three months were on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> I think they got the picture. That's just, at that point, it's mean, bro. It's mean. <laughs> I think what people really love hearing is that relationships are too much work, especially Dude, when what it's you just do? a simple friendship. Like texting your ex and just be like, just so you know, I haven't been thinking about you <laughs> out, of the, out of nowhere. <laughs> not only like, would they you, not believe you, even if they did, that would be so mean. That would be so mean. Even, but what's wild about this is like, if you're asking three months later, you still care. Yeah, man. You still care. So maybe there's like an internal like, I do want to keep the relationship. I just don't know how to. Or, In which case, or do you ha- think this person is so wrapped up and then like, I just want to be a good person and I don't want to have a relationship with this person, but I don't want them to think I'm a bad person. It's too late. Yeah. It's three months ago. So like maybe this person's like, I'm not interested in the person at all. I just want them to think I'm a good person and I want to be, I want to be nice. It's just too late. It's we're past that. You're already a bad person. The damage is done. And I think you're going to make it worse by rehashing it is what I think. Yeah. So if you're going to ghost someone, either you have to have a strong conscience in order to ghost someone. Yeah. Just commit. (laughs) And like, listen, everybody's going to ghost someone, you know, like, Sometimes it happens accidentally. If you do it on purpose, you gotta know. You gotta know. Bef- you gotta know before you ghost somebody if you if you're willing to go through the mental fortitude of ghosting someone. And if you're not, then you can write them a very well calligraphied, handwritten letter that says relationships are hard, and I don't care ab- about you enough to follow through. Yeah, just be like, hey, my bad. Um, I just don't think. Just, just you know, do the. It's not you. It's me. <laughs> That's you don't even need to elaborate. People know what you mean if you say that. Yeah, I mean, they might not like you, but you don't like them. So why does it matter? All right, that, those were our advice questions. I think we got it pretty good that time around. Might be our best advice yet. Um, Alex, what do you have for the one hit? All right, this one hit is called inflation protection, and uh, as we know, the economy is uh not great a roller coaster yeah i don't really know what's going on i don't know if a lot of people saying we're not in a recession but things are really expensive but i know a lot of people have jobs but a lot of people getting laid off at the same time but unemployment's like way down i don't know really what's going on but this is called inflation protection because craig and i are going to give you a bunch of ideas on how to make a little extra cash okay Here's the first thing that I'm going to tell you. If you are unemployed and you think it's uh, this darn economy, let me tell you, the economy is fake. Guys, you take any college level econ class and the first thing they tell you is like, we have dedicated sections of the government to influence the economy. Now, I'm no conspiracy theorist, but I will say whether or not we're in a recession, arbitrary. (laughs) What I can tell you is banks are made up. And money isn't real. They could print more money at any moment and just not tell us. Banks? Dude, I'm just, okay. As far as extra money, if if we're going to give them hard, solid advice. Yes. Obviously, OnlyFans. 
And what you do? Or hold on. Yeah. No, let me let me stop in right here. If you're gonna do OnlyFans, start on Fansly. They have a much better like community support service. You get a better cut of the of the of the profits. Like, listen, if you're gonna do it, do it on the right service. You know, just because OnlyFans has the name, Fansly is the service. Also, and also, don't ask how I know this. No nudes. None. For a very long time. You got to build up a community who just needs that from you and you just don't give it to them. It's just teasing. Because once you put out a nude, that's it. But like... Because what people love about relationships with people on OnlyFans and Fansly is there's like... There's an atmosphere of potential, right? And the best part about the potential is not having the follow through immediately. There's like a little bit of the chase. Yeah. So I think it's an option. Also, just so you know, I mean, your first couple of weeks, you're going to need to put on your social media because the people who are going to want to see that from you are the only people that know you. So unless you're actually famous and you don't have, you have like real fans, you're going to be advertising to people that know you. And Hey, it might even be easy for you to like reach out to the people that you don't like because they're the people that's going to do it. Like you remember creepy Devin from high school. Yep. I remember creepy Devin from high school. He hit on you four times while you were in a relationship. And now's your opportunity to be like, Hey, 12 bucks a month. Also remember no nudes and pick a niche. We're like big niche people. So like, you're going to need to be like, you know what? Every week, I'm going to read you a bedtime story and the whole time it's going to be ASMR and it's just going to be close-ups of my feet and it's going to scratch an itch that a lot of people don't know they have. Bam. Moneymaker. So I think that's honestly, uh, I might subscribe to that. Like, if man, I, if this we're being like reading freaking Charlotte's web chapter one tonight. I got to make sure I'm here for next week. Also, yeah, obviously you want to do scheduled viewing. They come back every week. That way you don't need to, you know, hunt down content because you got a book for the next three months and then you just got to find another book. It's a little book club. And every once in a while, maybe you can have a fan <laughs> come on and read with you. Maybe do your nails, like do a pedicure on stream, bro. Okay. And then you need to make a little extra money. Pimp out those people we just described. <laughs> hey, <laughs> run their be pages a for manager. <laughs> yes. That's what I meant to say. So here's and here's how you know that we can be trusted on this is because we're speaking like we manage it. Right. The best way to be a manager is to act like you know what you're doing at all times, especially when you don't have Alex or I ever managed any sort of digital prospect, let alone one that could make as much money on a digital platform for a single person as an OnlyFans or fancy account. Uh, Absolutely not. not. However, did we speak like we knew what we were talking about? And did it sound kind of credible? I think we were leaning that way. Right. So if if you find people, clients, if you want to call them that, who don't trust you to run their accounts, that's fine. Run their social media. That's in right now. Definitely run their social media. And to be honest, you don't even need to do that. Put it in AI chatbot. They'll write your post for you. Step two, (laughs) profit. And um, what? Once started as a one hit about how to make a side hustle. It's Alex and I just helping you guide your way into the world of sex work. And (laughs) honestly, it kind of stopped being a bit for me halfway through. Like Okay. And we'll do it. We'll do one more for you. If you're a minor and can't do any of that stuff, we got a solution for you and it's steal your parents' money. They leave their credit. They trust you. 
Yeah. They'll just they just leave their credit cards out. They leave the cash out. Um, here's what you do: you write down their credit card information. No, hey, no, not even that. Just save it into your phone. Right, God, but you need to use a VPN. Have it as an... And then right, then you're gonna go into like I don't know Thailand or China, something like that. And then it's gonna look like someone in China is buying their stuff. That's still gonna be. And then obviously get a PO box, have it sent to a friend's house or something. Actually, don't get it sent to a friend's house. That's a horrible idea. That's how you get caught. Get a P.O. box or get like a random destination like McDonald's. It's going to get delivered to McDonald's. They're not going to know what to do with it. And then you just show up one day and be like, I have a pickup for George Roger. And they're going to be like, that's weird. We do have a package for you. And then you're out, bro. And then your parents aren't even going to have to pay for it because they're going to cancel the card immediately. Then they're going to get a new card and you do the same thing with the new card. And no one's getting hurt. Except for the corporations. And maybe uh, you, if you go to jail for credit card fraud. But right. <laughs> because but you're, you're a, minor, a minor. So it's just a juvie, bro. Minor offense. Just juvie. Yeah. Juvies. Um, so, top three place, safe places to be. Top three. And we're not going to fact check that or question it at all. Right. That is the end of our financial advice. We're going to put a pin in this and uh, just remind you that Nothing we say should be taken into action. We're not liable for any of your decisions. Uh, We actually recommend that you seek independent counsel before pursuing any um, business ventures. Yeah. Um, So, freeballing. I have two things. First, in my ever-continuing quest to watch just a bunch of Star Trek stuff, I watched Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. Uh, So this was in 1986. This is the fourth, obviously, in the theatrical Star Trek film uh, line. It is the fourth of six from the original series. And Alex, this one pivots so hard from what the series had been up to that point. So in general, Star Trek is the... When Star Trek was emerging, it was a campy sci-fi show. It took itself very seriously, but it leaned into the silliness of the ideas. You know, it was a sci-fi show in the 60s. They were on a limited budget. They did what they could, but they leaned into it. Um, Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, it was serious. Star Trek 4 is almost a straight-up comedy because uh, the... The plot of the film is there's this alien satellite that is orbiting Earth and is trying to communicate. But the only species on Earth that knows that language are whales. And whales were ex- became what? extinct in the late 21st century. So the gang of the Enterprise has to travel back in time to 1986 before whales became extinct get some whales and bring it back to their present, our future to communicate with this alien to convince them that, Hey, we're not a threat. Do you understand why this film might be a little silly? Yeah. What? So this whole movie is a fish out of water movie. And I usually don't like fish out of water movies because they're awkward and weird. This one Maybe it's because it's an IP that I love a lot with characters that I love a lot. Like, I was down to clown with this more than I thought I was going to. The jokes in this movie were genuinely funny. And, like, all these interactions I found 
worthwhile. Um, Leonard Nimoy is really good. Obviously, he's the GOAT. Um, it's just like, it was not a bad step for this. It was nice to see something different. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, not making any of my favorite Star Trek properties lists, but it's not at the bottom of them, bottom of them either. It's like very middle of the road. But just like, I remember watching this being like, huh, I wonder what this is about. Oh, it's a time travel movie. I wonder why they have to go back in time. It's for whales. It's for, it's for whales, huh? Huh. And it's just, it's absolutely wild. Because um, this movie came out in the 80s and there's a very okay. prominent Russian character. Um, and there's a very prominent Russian character and they have f- some fun with that too. Like knowing the stakes of the 80s and having a Russian character. Like they, they poke a little bit of fun with that. So that was, that was cool. Um, it's a flat seven for me. It was fun. Didn't change my life, but I'm glad that they did something a little sillier. Okay, yeah. I watched the newest season of Mythic Quest. Okay. It was a season. Okay. So, remi- so this is season three, right? Yes. Remind me about how you felt about the last two seasons. Um, the first one was great. The second one was pretty good. And the third and the second one ends with um, the main two characters um, departing and getting ready to start their own video game. So they're leaving Mythic Quest. They're going to be like, we're going to create our own studio and create our own video game. It is boring, bro. Yikes. However, this is like, this is an office drama. It isn't, this, this entire show is an office drama. Um, and there's something I really, really hate about office dramas is you don't get a lot of new characters. You just have the same characters doing different things. And it's really annoying in this because like people that start off as testers become head of monetization become and different one. And then the other tester goes and starts their own video game production company. And I'm like, what? That doesn't make any sense. None of this makes sense at all. And it doesn't it was like that season of the office when Michael left to start his own paper company. And that also sucked. It's just like, I get it's not real. I just like didn't like it. Sure. There's also a standard spinoff episode. Usually, I think it's usually episode seven. This was the worst one so far. The worst spinoff. The other two were like, there's usually highly stylized. Usually the throwbacks. I think all three of them have been throwbacks so far. And this one has been the least interesting. Um, That's crazy because it's the highest rated episode of the season on IMDb. Um, yeah, this, it's the spinoff is always the highest because it's the most stylized. It's the most different. People love episode seven in every single season. It's usually the highest rated one. I didn't like this is the worst of the episode sevens. Um, okay. Even though it's about the main characters. It just it's just boring for me. It's the worst season of the three. And it's not bad. It's going to be if they make six seasons of this, it's going to be the boring one. It's going to be the one people talk about. Be like, oh, you can go ahead and skip that. Because spoiler alert, big spoiler. At the end, they decide to go back to Mythic Quest. So that means season four is going to be just like one and two. That (laughs) means three is nonsense, bro. It's nonsense. So that's crazy. Whatever. All the secondary characters become main characters. All of them. All of the secondary characters in one and two, season three is their time to shine because they all 
quadrupled their lines. And I just wanted more McElhenney. But here we are. I I don't have a rating for it. My rating is disappointed. Okay. Um, I watched Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. (sighs) Okay. And where to start with this? People freaking hate Uh, this movie. It's okay. Yeah. Let's start there. If you hate this movie, you're wrong. Like, like, I don't love this movie. I'm not going to bat for this movie because I think it deserves it. I just think it's wild what people choose to love and hate. And this one's the wrong one to choose because I think it has a really cool aesthetic. A lot of people were complaining about Thor's CGI. This is way better. And like the whole movie relies on CGI, right? And they put their money where their mouth is for the CG in this movie. So aesthetically, it's a very pleasing movie. Paul Rudd is great. Catherine Newton's great. Michelle Pfeiffer is there. Michael Douglas is also there. Nice. Uh, um, Bill Murray is there for one scene. So like the actors are doing their best. I The big problem that I had with this movie is it made me realize I don't want to do another eight-year arc of anything like nothing in my life sounds less appealing than starting from scratch and waiting eight years for everything to culminate because they're going through the motions of this movie and they're like this is kang's personality here's kang's history here's what to expect with kang and i'm like i kind of don't care yeah because thanos first appeared in, in like the Guardians. after credits of the Avengers in 2012. Okay. The payoff yeah. was, like you said, freaking 10 years later or nine or 10 years. I cannot imagine right this Ant-Man being the new Captain America movie <laughs> or the yeah. new Iron and Man movie. Also, Ant-Man has never been a lore bearing character. The fact that they chose now to start bonkers absolutely bonkers because i loved them playing in the quantum realm i liked it a lot okay um i just wish they were there for more ant-man reasons rather than avengers reasons um so i just think the movies is starting on the wrong foot and it never gets there um modok is so unimportant to this movie which is frustrating because modok is like He's not. He's never taken seriously, right? Just if you look at Modok, you're like, no one ever takes this guy seriously. Mm-hmm. But I wish he was a little more important. So I'm <laughs> criticizing this movie a lot. It was fun. It. I had fun watching it. I wish this movie didn't try to be deeper than it should have been, which was surface level. Ant Man movies have always been surface level. They should have kept it this way. When it when this movie felt like a normal Ant Man movie, it was nice. Anytime it wasn't, I didn't care. So it sits at like a, it's a six something. Okay. It's a six something. I'm going to be watching this in like two weeks. Sure. I'm giving it a comfortable six and a half. Okay. Well, I'm going to watch it in like two weeks and then we'll talk about it again then and we'll compare notes. For sure. Absolutely. Uh, next week, we are starting our annual tradition. Decades. We're going to start at the 30s 
and we're going to creep our way forward 10 years every week. And we're going to pick a movie from that decade. And we're going to like, it's fun to kind of have like a history retrospective uh, to be like, this is the month where we purposefully go into the annals of film history and see how things have changed in the hundred plus years of cinema. Yeah. It's so like we once started a, the f- once every year for a month that you get your PG film class. Yeah. And we're starting in the thirties. The thirties is always the hardest movie to choose from because <laughs> <Yep>. the thirties <30s laughs> is like, we got it. What the thirties is when we choose movies purely for the history. It's movies that we kind of, we're going to grit our teeth and we're going to watch it, but we understand it is for the art. And yeah, it's when you get the gone in the winds and you get the Charlie Chaplin movies. And so we are watching the original King Kong. The 1933. Yeah. So actors you've never heard of those people. Yeah. I am very excited. I'm, I'm not excited because I don't think I'm going to like it. I don't think I'm going to like it, but it's going to be cool. I'm not going to like it. It's going to be cool. I'm excited because I want to watch these classic monster movies. And this is a really good place to start. But you know what? That's next week's problem. Um, until then, my name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. Have fun, be safe, and make good choices. And while you're at it, tell your mama said hi. See you next week. Deuces.